College football gets better every week. Redemption for Brian Kelly. Tennessee goes down in in Athens. And Tanner Mordecai and Clayton Toon, you two are insane. We're going to get to all of that. But, of course, this is College Fantasy Tonight presented by CampusToCanton.com. If you like the content that we're putting out here, if you like C2Cs, if you like our recap shows that you're listening to or watching on YouTube right now, then go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and review. Like this video. I want to get this video up to, I don't know, can we do 15 likes? Is that possible? Let's be a team. Let's get it done. We start every college fantasy night when we run that. That means I should hear the music in my headphones. There's a snail. There we go. There we go. Colin Decker. We start with Drake May, UNC, and Virginia. UNC was favored by seven in this one. They don't cover, but they do get the win. 31-28 on the road against Brennan Armstrong and that Virginia Cavaliers team. Drake May continues his hot streak, Colin, but not only through the air. This time, he shows his dual threat ability. Yeah, Drake May just continuing to make plays in this one. The stats don't quite look like what we're used to. I mean, only 293 yards and two touchdowns. But like you said, doing it on the ground as well with 74 yards and a touchdown. UNC, the seven-point favorite in this one. And then UVA, Virginia, missing their top three wide receivers coming into this game. Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, and Lavelle Davis. Uh, They actually led at halftime. They dominated the time of possession in the first half, led 14-10 at halftime, and then it was just kind of UNC on the way out there. Um, Drake May, like you said, had a big day there. Josh Downs, even bigger day. Uh, 15 catches, 166 yards, and a touchdown on 16 targets. The UVA corners did an excellent job shutting down the wide receivers on the outside. Antoine Green, only three catches for 33 yards, but that left Josh Downs to have a monster day there. And then running back Elijah Green uh, for UNC had a big day as well. He led the team in carries, 22 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Also had 22 yards and a touchdown through the air as well. Uh, On the UVA side of things here, it was just the ground game for them that got it going. They totaled 186 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Brennan Armstrong. Uh, had a nice day in this one, at least on the ground. Two touchdowns there. Through the air, not quite as much. 17 for 35, 232 yards and interception. And uh, Sackett Wood Jr., the tight end for Virginia, had a nice day. Six catches for 94 yards. But those were really the only two notable performances here in this one. Uh, you know, UNC just kind of rolled through this one, and Virginia kept it close, but... UNC could have put it up at, at the end. I've been touting Josh Downs all year. I think that he is a, a late first round draft pick. He can do everything. He can play inside. He can stretch the deep. He can stretch the field. He goes up. He gets contested catches. He should. He should test very athletically based on what he did coming in to college and what you see on the field. I believed him in, in him enough. Earlier this year, I traded Saquon Barkley in a C2C league for Jeff Downs in a supplemental first. Man, if you have if you are starting him in C2C, you got to love uh having him every single week he's been in the bank. Antoine Green, on the other hand, had the big huge game last week. He cools off a little bit this week, but he is on the field catching passes from Drake May. 
And uh, you can't hate that. We're getting ready to go into the playoffs in C2Cs. Josh Downs, Drake May locked in if you've got them on your teams. Um, You also covered Colin Forrest. UTSA, we're going to Conference USA, UTSA and UAB. Um, We got to pay attention to Frank Harris, Dwayne McBride in this one. Dwayne McBride is not only a CFF asset, Colin. He's going to be an NFL draft pick. It's just, is it late day two or early day three? Yeah, I mean, he had another big day here in this one. Uh, 19 carries, 141 yards, and two touchdowns that helped UAB uh, come back in this one. Um, UAB quarterback Dylan Hopkins out for the second straight week. Former four-star quarterback uh, Jacob Zeno, and former Baylor quarterback there, gets the start. Uh, UAB was 4-0 at home coming into this one and 0-4 on the road. UTSA opens up 99 yards on the opening drive. If they get a big play to a big man, 54-yard touchdown or 54-yard pass to Oscar Cardenas, the 285-pound tight end. And that that guy was just really interesting to watch out there running around. He is a monster. Uh, but DeCorian Clark, the leading wide receiver for UTSA, leaves the game in the first quarter with a pretty gruesome knee injury. They had to bring the card out for him. It didn't stop UTSA, though. Uh, they jumped out to a 13-0 lead. UAB battles back, scores 14 stro- straight points to end the game, forces an overtime. They do end up falling 44-38 to in this one, though. Um, like you said, Frank Harris is a guy that we have to be paying attention to, at least for fantasy here. Uh, 22 for 31, 285 yards, four touchdowns, uh, another 35 yards on the ground. Zachary Franklin, the leading wide receiver after Clark went down, seven catches, 93 yards and two touchdowns. But the big story for UTSA outside of that injury is the uh, freshman running back, Kavorian Barnes, gets 16 carries, 140, 114 yards and a touchdown, two catches, 38 yards through the air. And this is an offense that had Sincere McCormick put up a lot of points last year. They've been splitting carries around this year here. I think it's worth keeping an eye on Kavorian Barnes uh, down the stretch and then into the end of or into the beginning of next year as well. On the UAB side of things, Jacob Zeno, like I said, former four star Baylor quarterback here, got the start. He had an impressive day. Uh, He started a little shaky with an interception, but rebounded nicely. 27 of 38 for 332 yards and two touchdowns. He also added uh, 37 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries on the ground. And then, like I said, Dwayne McBride was the focal point of this offense here. Um, You know, 114 yards, two touchdowns. That's a day at the office for him. He went over 3,000 career yards in this game. Uh, I would be interested to see if he ends up coming back next year because he does have one more year of eligibility to try and get that record. Um, at UAB. Uh, the wide receivers for UAB, two of them had a nice game here. Tejon Palmer, eight catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. And then Trey Shropshire, uh, seven catches, 97 yards and a touchdown. If you started either of those, you must be pretty happy with that performance. Uh, Dwayne McBride, is if he declares for the NFL draft this year, he's probably going to be a day three pick. You're talking about getting him in the third round of Dynasty rookie drafts. That's an excellent value in why we told you to invest in 2023 picks. On the other hand, uh, 
Orion Barnes, you need to put him on your watch list. Go ahead and go into contracts and add him at your watch list in every single league. Frank Harris, left-handed quarterback there. I don't know that he has a future as an NFL quarterback, but I think that he could. he's athletic enough that he can make the transition to wide receiver and maybe find a role at the next level. Um, all right, Colin, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. I don't know that Clemson is a heavyweight. We thought, we kind of believed that they were um, relying heavily on their defense, that their offense wouldn't be able to carry them. They only scored 14 in this one against Notre Dame. Notre Dame 35. Clemson was a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Notre Dame, but uh, Notre Dame takes this one again, 35-14. DJU, how did he look, Colin, today? DJU, another shaky performance here from him in this one. Uh, Wait, the draft Knicks, the draft Knicks said that he's performing well. He's performing well. He's going to be a first round draft pick. DJU. Yeah, uh, not as much here in this one. He actually gets benched again for Clay, Kate Klubnik. He has uh, 217 yards on 39 attempts, uh, 5.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception. Like I said, Kate Klubnik comes in for him. Throws one pass, gets intercepted, and immediately gets benched again. Uh, now, it was a windy day here in this one, so maybe that affected some of the passing here, but Notre Dame was all over Clemson from the very beginning. They block a punt and score right away. Notre Dame's offense ran all over Clemson's vaunted front seven to the tune of 265 yards and two touchdowns. And then Notre Dame's defense uh, came out in, in this one and held Clemson scoreless up until the four, fourth quarter. Uh, they had a huge game from four-star true freshman corner Benjamin Morrison. He had two touchdowns and an interception in this one. Clemson's running game never really got going. They had 90 yards total on the ground. That's their lowest amount on the year and their only game under 100 yards. Uh, no real standout fantasy performance uh, from anybody on Clemson's side. Tight end Davis Allen, seven catches for 60 yards, was probably the bigger performance there. Uh, one thing to note, though, is in, uh, Adam Randall, true freshman wide receiver. Looks like he is back in the rotation here after suffering an ACL injury in the spring. He's been kind of working his way back. He gets two catches for 27 yards. I believe that puts him off of the year one zero list. We got to like to see that, especially with the injury. Uh, Will Shipley in this one, 12 carries for 63 yards. He had five catches, but only 17 yards. Phil Maffa is the backup there for Clemson. He only had three uh, carries for 11 yards in this one. You mentioned Davis Allen. Uh, Antonio Williams, the speed slot wide receiver there for Clemson, four catches for 26 yards in this one. He's going to have better days, maybe, just maybe, when Cade Klubnik uh, starts, uh, maybe uh, later in the season. Go ahead, Colin. Yeah, for the Notre Dame side of things here, it was the, really the running backs. Logan Diggs and Audric Estime both going over 100 yards in this one. Um, Diggs, 17 carries, 114 yards. Estime, 18 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Drew Pine has a pretty ho-hum day, 9 for 17, 85 yards passing, one touchdown. He does get a touchdown on the ground, though. So if for whatever reason you started him in fantasy, that saved his day a little bit. And then Michael Mayer, uh, just another day at the office for him, just punching the clock. Four catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown. There was a, a point at which I thought that Chris Tyree, he, well, he was the only healthy back early in the season, uh, that he was going to be a 1,000-yard or 1,200-yard rusher filling in for Kyron Williams. He's like third on the team in carries this year. So it's not the speedster. It's Diggs. It's Estimate there uh, pounding the rock for the Golden Domers. All right, Colin, we appreciate it. 
That brings us to Tennessee and Georgia. Uh, this one might have been over when the when the volunteers got off the bus in Athens. It was 14-3 at the end of the first half, or at the end of the first quarter. It was 24-6 at the end of the first half. The final score, 13-27. Georgia covers that nine-point spread. Hendon Hooker, everybody's looking for that third QB. Hendon Hooker, 23 for 33, 195 yards, just six yards per attempt, no touchdowns, one interception. I took the under on 30 and a half rushing yards for Hendon Hooker today. He has 18 carries for just 17 yards. So that one hit if you were listening to us on either the tailgate or uh, the Better Sports Show this morning. Cedric Tillman locked up Kylie Ringo. Um, uh, in, in company, putting the clamps on this Tennessee wide receiver core. Cedric Tillman, seven receptions with just 68 yards. There was an excellent interception from Ringo where he essentially stacked uh, Cedric Tillman and, and got the catch there, boxing him out. Jalen Hyatt, his hot streak comes to an end. Just six catches for 63 yards. Brew McCoy, shout out to Burning the Wet Shirt. And Chris K, there, six catches, 38 yards in this one. Against Georgia, that's not that terrible. On the Georgia side, on the Georgia side. Now, uh, we're putting Stetson Bennett in the same conversation with Bryce Young. That's what I hear on the timeline today. Uh, anyway, 17 for 25, 257 yards, two touchdowns, 10.3 10.3 yards per attempt, a 98 QBR. You got to like that. Kenny McIntosh was lining up everywhere, in, uh, including out in the slot. He goes 10 for 52 on the ground and adds two for 57 through the air. Dejon Edwards getting a lot of work there for Georgia. 16 carries for 46 yards. Kendall Milton, where art thou, Kendall Milton? Three for eight in this one. I don't know how you're going to feel if you spent an early, you know, top five-round pick uh, on Kendall Milton. He is clearly the third bunny there. And Branson Robinson is starting to get some carries there. He might even jump over Kendall Milton. On the receiving side, Lad McConkey five for 94. We continue to underrate him. Uh, Arian Smith does what Arian Smith does. One catch for 52 yards. Brock Bowers doesn't have the long touchdown today. He adds three for 27. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, he got in the back of the end zone. You'd love to see him healthy. Three for 20 and one touchdown. That's Georgia, Tennessee. We got to figure out who's going to be in the playoffs now with uh, Tennessee going down. Uh, Georgia's going to be the number one team in the country that they already should have been, quite frankly, especially when they stopped Oregon early in the season. That brings us to Alabama and LSU. This was the best game on the day. I mean, it, you know, D Georgia and Tennessee had the headlines, but when it came down to it at the end of the night, this one went down to the wire. It was a nail biter. Uh, uh, LSU wins by two with the two point conversion on the play that every single team from NFL to college, to, they all run the same flat play rollout. You, you've got a right-handed quarterback. You put the ball on the left hash. You roll them out, and they throw the ball to the flat to, to, to a, to a uh, wide receiver breaking behind uh, uh, a, a twins formation. They run it every single time. I don't know why nobody stops it. Bryce Young in this one could, drove late to uh, put, the, put the, um, the Crimson Tide up. Before uh, before we went to overtime, 25 for 51 in this one, 328 yards passing, one touchdown, just one interception. Ran a little bit more than usual, 
four uh, carries, 10 yards, no touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs keeps producing 15 carries, 99 yards. He also adds eight catches for 64 yards. I think that there's an argument for him to be the RB1 in the class in 2023. He's not going to be. I still think that he's going to be a first-round pick. And if you look at mock drafts, you see him following falling to that, that, that 28, 29, 30 mark with the Kansas City Chiefs. Could you imagine Jameer Gibbs with Andy Reid? It would be like uh, Andy Reid had Brian Westbrook all over again. Jace McClellan adds four carries for 17 yards, no touchdowns. They brought in Roy Dell Williams to be the ha- hammer. He has seven carries for 11 yards and two touchdowns. We thought that Ja'Cory Brooks would... Uh, claim a stake in this wide receiver core. He has seven catches for 97 yards and gets the touchdown that put Alabama up late, even though uh, LSU came back and tied it to go to overtime. Jason McClellan had a two for 74, a long catch there. Cameron Latu, the tight end, three for 50. Jermaine Burton can't do anything with him. Two for 19. JoJo Earl, one for 15, but that one catch he had was uh, on a late, late drive. Um, no, no Isaiah Bond in this one. On the other hand, Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State, goes to join Brian Kelly's LSU team that we were all laughing at earlier in the season. He gets the win, 22 for 32, 182 yards, two touchdowns. He also adds 18 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown uh, for the Tigers there. He's doing the things that we want to see from Anthony Richardson. So what is Jaden Daniels' uh, draft stock going to look like? Probably going to be a day three pick. Might want to invest in him. Josh Williams has seven carries for 54 yards, one touchdown. John Emery Jr., remember his name, uh, five carries for 26 yards, no touchdowns. On the other hand, Kayshawn Boutte, this hasn't been his season, seven receptions, 51 yards. Bleak Neighbors, six catches, 49 yards. Mason Taylor, a three catches for 36 yards. John Emery added, added two for 34. And Josh Williams, three for seven. That is it for Alabama LSU. It was an excellent, excellent game. I don't think I even said the score. Uh, I don't have the score in front of me. Went to overtime. LSU takes it with that two-point conversion. Again, they run the same play. We'll see it We'll see it when the, when the NFL runs a two-point two play tomorrow on Sunday. You're going to put the ball on the left hash, roll the quarterback out to the right, throw the ball to the flat, and do it every single time. Matt Bruni, get in here for Texas Tech TCU. It seems like every time TCU plays a quarterback, that quarterback goes down and they end up playing against the backup. Today, Baron Morton, Zach Kitley's starter, goes down with the injury after the first or second drive. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it, Texas Tech was playing really well. It was only two drives with Barry Morton, which sounds crazy. Uh, they end up losing this game 24-34 to TCU. Uh, Baron Morton on the day, unfortunately, just 7-10 for 79 yards. The one touchdown, though, came on. They were down to TCU by a touchdown, and he drove six, or it was 80 yards in 40 seconds on three plays. Uh, a big play to Jaron Bradley. It was like a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, and unfortunately, Bradley gets hurt in this game as well. He ends up with a concussion. It was that 54-yard uh, touchdown there. You got J.J. Sparkman, who had a pretty good game, 46 yards and a touchdown. Miles Price got, I think, robbed of a catch. Uh, they said it hit the ground. To me, it looked like he had control. Uh, but this offense just did not look the same after Baron Morton went out. Tyler Shuck you know, was talked about as a first-round draft capital guy a couple years ago. Came in last week for Baron Morton after they had uh, benched him and Donovan Smith. He threw an interception, then returns, comes back in, throws a pick six. 
not much different today. I mean, he does throw a touchdown. He throws another interception, does get a rushing touchdown. TCU, though, struggled, and I really think we talked a lot about this. Like They've been, as you just mentioned, playing backup quarterbacks. They keep falling behind and coming back and winning these games. I feel like they're going to get bit one of these times. They did not play a great day game today. I mean, Max Dugan, just 12 of 23, 195 yards, does get to two touchdowns. Uh, none of the wide receivers were doing anything, and that may have been because Quentin Johnson was out. Quentin Johnson rolled his ankle again. They taped him up. He just couldn't go back in there. As you can see, Tay Barber just 62 yards. Savion Williams, 38 yards on one catch. But it was Mike Valerie's guy, Kendry Miller, who came through to save TCU here. He was touting him all offseason, 158 yards and a touchdown. Every time they needed to get a big first down, they handed the ball off to Kendry Miller, and he got it for them. In my opinion, he is the reason that they won this game. Really not much else to talk about on the Texas Tech side. I, I talked about starting Taj Brooks. He went out there. He looked okay. Um, only 59 yards on 10 uh, attempts. He did get a couple catches as well. They were splitting the rock between him and Cameron Valdez. So I'm be honest, I had not ever heard of, but he was the one who was really toting the rock, even over uh, Sir Roderick Thompson as well. He looked fairly good in this game as well against a decent TCU defense. So maybe a name that you need to put on your watch list as we want those running backs in that high-powered uh, Zach Kittley offense. TCU covers this one. It was an eight-and-a-half-point spread. Um, Quentin Johnston, anytime you bet on him, he lets you down. I've taken the over on four-and-a-half receptions. TCU gets a probably the biggest game of the week next week in Week 11. They take on Texas. Going to be a lot of eyes on that one. Uh, Matt, you also covered uh, Texas. Mid, uh, speaking of the aforementioned Texas, Texas 34, Kansas State 27 in this one. Quint Ewers gets back on uh, the good side of the touchdown to interception ratio. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, this was a very interesting game. Texas and Sark are having a really big issue on getting up early in games and then letting teams come back. It was 31 to 17 at halftime, and Texas looked like they had this in control. In fact, they were driving down the field toward half. Bijan Robinson fumbles the ball. They had a chance to go up almost what, that 38 to 17. Kansas State storms back in the second half, and a lot of it on the arm of Adrian Martinez, which I was not expecting, but that is the weakness of this Texas defense. They're really bad in pass coverage, and they cannot tackle to save their lives. Adrian Martinez goes 24-36 for 329 yards and two touchdowns, does add 52 yards and one on the ground. Man, I, I know that Deuce Vaughn is short, but we need to stop saying that that dude is small. He is built and he will not be stopped. There was multiple times. I know 72 yards doesn't sound like a lot. Does get 86 yards on seven reception touchdowns. There were multiple times that he was actually driving piles. Like, he is a very tough runner for his size. I'm going to be very curious to see what the NFL does with this kid because I think he's an extremely good player. I know we've talked a lot about him. There is a lot of worry about his size. Uh, Malik Knowles continues to play really well, though, uh, for this offense. Three for 93. And Cade Warner, I believe Kurt Warner's son, playing tight end here for Kansas State. Five for 52 and touchdown. Another touchdown. I believe this is the third week in a row that he has caught a touchdown for Kansas State. You mentioned on Texas. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, on Texas's side here, I, we talked a little bit about the, the, this morning. We want to see how Quinn Ewers would bounce back, but I felt they were going to rely on Bijan. They did exactly that. 30 carries for 209 yards and a touchdown. I mean, look. 
I've watched a lot of college football in my time. Bijan Robinson is so much fun to watch. His ability at his size to literally stop and almost like teleport away from defenders side to side, make defenders miss surrounded, like just in a phone booth as, as the saying goes. He is incredibly fun to watch. I I bet a lot of Texas fans that he does not go top 10 in the NFL draft. The more and more I watch him, the more I want to be wrong on that. Like I just want to see him get drafted high. I think he's an incredible talent. Xavier Worthy, in my opinion, has been kind of the reason Texas has lost games over the past couple of weeks with Alabama and then against Oklahoma State with dropping passes and running wrong routes He or missing routes. He played good today. Just the 42 yards, but two touchdowns, a big one where he completely head faked a defender to go to the post. Um, I thought it was a better throw by Quinn, but that's just me. I saw a lot of people talking about the route run by Xavier Worthy there. And Jatavian Sanders continues to be his guy, but Quinn. Not an amazing day, and we talked a lot about that. We just wanted to see him bounce back. 197 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 18 at 430. Smashes his um, his fantasy points prop, which we talked about this morning. And I will say, like, I know a lot of people hate on this kid, and we defended him uh, two weeks ago after he played a bad game against Oklahoma State. But if you watch this kid throw the ball, it is so effortless, and it is so catchable. I know Felix is rolling his eyes right now. I can see him shaking his head. I don't care. He is special. And I know Felix knows this because he defended him two weeks ago. Felix doesn't typically do that unless he really likes the player. He's only doing this because I'm standing here talking about him. But he's going to be really good. I can't, I can't wait to see what he's able to do moving forward. It was a great game, though. Great to see them bounce back. As you mentioned, a massive game next week against TCU, which could decide like what TCU's playoff hopes right here because if they go through Texas that's probably the biggest test moving forward to the Big 12 championship TCU probably going to be a top what four team next week once rankings are uh once rankings come out Deuce Vaughn the issue for him is going to be his contact balance uh his contact balance and whether or not what he does at the line of scrimmage as far as uh setting up blocks but he is a very productive player. Another running back that's going to be what? Late second, third round uh, dynasty rookie picks. We try to tell you all along here on Debbie Debate on uh, the Campus to Canton shows, Campus Life, that you needed to invest in 2023 picks. Players like Deuce Vaughn are why even your second and third round picks are valuable. All right. That is the rundown. Cut the music. Cut the music. Every week in college football, you're like biting your nails. There's some game, whether it be, you know, uh, Tennessee and Alabama or today uh, Alabama and LSU. There's always a game where things are just going crazy. Alabama and LSU had it tonight. That one was excellent, excellent work. That brings us to the G5 Minute. Every week on College Fantasy Tonight, we check in with Hannah Payne, creative lead at campus2canton.com to give us a, a, a rundown on what happened in the group of five. It's a segment we like to call the G5 Minute. Hey everyone, this is Hannah Page with the G5 Minute. Each week I bring you highlights from the group of five as well as major G5 producers for the day. To preface, the theme of tonight's segment is mostly AAC and if you've been watching the games, you'll understand why. Right now, SMU leads Houston 63-42. Hold on, let me go check that score. Yes, that's 63-2. to Oh, now 48. And if that's not wild enough, Tanner Mordecai is 26-33 of 33 for 331 yards and 8 touchdowns. 
connecting with receivers Dylan Goffney and Rasheen Rice, as well as tight ends R.J. Maryland and Ben Redding. Meanwhile, Houston's Clayton Toon is 26 of 39 for 396 yards and six touchdowns, but has already thrown two picks. There were 91 points in the first half. It is on pace to beat the 146 points scored during the Texas A&M LSU game in 2018. Number 19 Tulane defeated Tulsa 27-13 and are now 8-1 and 5-0 in conference. The Green Wave running backs Ty J. Spears and Clayton Johnson have 14 carries a pop for a combined 263 yards and one touchdown. Spears has been on a tear as of late with three consecutive 100-plus yard games and at least one score in each. So since the USF game, Spears has 433 yards, 144.3 yards per those three games, 7.7 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. And how about Temple? Yeah, it was a 54-28 win over a 1-8 USF squad, but still, it's good for morale and building. Kurt Warner's son, EJ Warner, went 27 of 36 for 344 yards, 9.6 yards per pass attempt, and two touchdowns. But, brace yourselves, running back Edward Sadie had 334 all-purpose yards, 265 on the ground, and three touchdowns. He had absolutely zero interest in being tackled, and he is the first Temple player with 100 rushing yards in a game since Raymond Davis in 2020. Look, the 265 yards are not par for the course for Sadie. South Florida made him look like Derrick Henry, but it is clear that they've been utilizing him more and more in the passing game, and the kid is versatile. So it's something to keep an eye on now and for the rest of the season and moving forward. And oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about. Liberty defeated Arkansas 21-19 to and are now 8-1 and on the season. I mean, look at the score. You can probably guess that there weren't any video game numbers. I think I mentioned sophomore Demario Douglas a while back, and here I am talking about him again. He had seven receptions for 145 yards, 20.7 yards per catch, and one touchdown. And I am adding Dwayne McBride to my Did Kalen Laburn Surpass 100 Yards Again tracker. The answer is yes to both. In a double overtime loss to UTSA, McBride had 19 carries for 141 yards and two touchdowns. And in Marshall's 12-0 total domination of Old Dominion, Laburn had 31 carries for 139 yards. That'll do it for the G5 Minute. Oh, one more thing. And if you're wondering how future AAC member Charlotte did today, the 49ers faced Western Kentucky and lost 59-7. Gotta love those big city markets. I'm sure SMU is shaking in their boots. People are wondering how to play campus to Canton leagues. What you do is is you have those power five players carry you through the non-conference schedule. And then the G5 players, when you get late in the season and they're playing against each other, you start Austin Reed, you start Malachi Corley, you start Daywood Davis, you start Dwayne McBride, you start Tanner Mordecai and Clinton Toon and Nathaniel Dell, and they'll bring you college fantasy success. Lil Wayne has weighed in. Lil Wayne, rapper Lil Wayne, is weighed in on the uh, LSU Tigers win today. Roll Tide, and I'll roll one the F up for them Tigers. It's up. We litty. 
Louisiana State Lowell <laughs> University. Hope Brian uses his southern accent at the podium. Wheezy is weighing in, boys. All right, Colin Decker, Matt Bruning. We got to talk more about what happened this week. <laughs> oh boy. Um, let me. How can I be kind on this one? Because Jim Nagy has a lot of weight in this area, but he was on his Skip Bayless, at least in my opinion, today, putting Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young in the same conversation. I guess there are two questions. One, what was your reaction? I should. I'm going to find the tweet, Colin, while you while you talk, so I can say verbatim what it is that Jim Nagy said. But what are your thoughts about uh, Stetson Bennett and whether or not he's an NFL draft pick? And what were your thoughts about Jim Nagy's comments, which I know I haven't given you, but I will just go ahead and talk for him. So I can yeah, so I'll, I'll start with Stetson Bennett as a draft prospect here. I mean, is he going to get drafted? Probably. He'll probably get taken in like the sixth or seventh round. He's a Georgia quarterback. He's got a little bit of mobility to him. He has a national title. Some NFL GM is going to convince themselves that that matters. Is he going to be long for the league? No, I don't think so. I'd be surprised if he gets out of his first contract, uh, you know, which you know, this is that's not a knock on this kid. I mean, he was a walk on at Georgia and leads into a national title. He is going to be a Georgia legend forever. But just because you're a college legend doesn't mean it's going to translate to the NFL. I don't see NFL tools when I, when I look at him there. And I, I just, I don't think he belongs in the discussion as a draft prospect. Here are the comments from Jim Nagy tweeted about seven hours ago. Hard to have Bryce Young as a top QB in the draft with top five pick and say Stetson Bennett is an undrafted free agent. Being little guys is biggest knock on both. I don't know that that's the biggest <laughs> knock on both. Uh, Young undoubtedly has more arm talent, but in no way should there be that big of a discrepancy in draft grades. If you want to look up the definition of ratio, as far as it pertains to Twitter, you can go ahead and take a look at Jim Nagy's uh, tweet there. He's on one. Matt Bruning, what was your reaction to Jim Nagy's comments? I don't uh, – it was bad, uh, if I'm being honest. I, I think a lot of it is driven by his product, and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. He wants players to come to the senior bowl, and I feel like that's exactly what he's saying. I, I don't like the way that he worded it and put Stetson Bennett in the same sentence as Bryce Young. I feel like that's extremely disrespectful to Bryce Young, who deserves <laughs> – his top five draft capital. I, I, I look, I've probably been one of Stetson Benton Stetton. I can't even say his name, right? Stetson Bennett's my goodness. I've been one of Stetson Bennett's biggest haters. Uh, Chris Moxley has, you know, shouted at us many times when we have crapped on him on Debbie debate, but Colin mentioned it. He was a walk on for a reason who there's one walk on that. I can think of off the top of my head who they did not win a national championship, but went on to have a ton of college football success and then end up getting drafted in the first round to Baker Mayfield. He has not worked out in the NFL. And I don't think Stetson Bennett even has the tools that Baker Mayfield has. Like, I just, I don't understand the conversation we're trying to have here with that. I don't know what you mean by saying like, they don't have like the, the being small is the only thing they're talking about. Bryce Young's got a little bit better. No, Bryce Young's got a lot better arm talent, not a little bit, a lot better. Like when we were taught watching that games, I'm sure everybody who watches watched that Georgia Tennessee game. They all pulled one throw 
out of that game, talked about Stetson Bennett made a great throw, which was the throw to Marcus Rosemary Saint in the back of the end zone. We're like, oh, well, if, if he sails it a little bit too high, it's going to hit the goalpost. Look, guys, I, every decent quarterback can make that throw. That does not make you special. Go watch Bryce Young. Go watch C.J. Stroud. Go watch Justin Fields. Go watch Drew Alara's pass in the back of the end zone off platform as a true freshman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not once seen a throw like that from Stetson Bennett. I hope he does get drafted because I do love the way that he has played the past years. And as Colin mentioned, he's going to be a legend in Georgia forever. That's never going to go away. That dude's going to be able to pick a job in Georgia. Whatever job he wants, someone will pay him to just out that company because of what he's done. I actually do think he could survive in the league for a backup for a decent amount of time. We've seen worse backups, but I don't think he's leading toward any NFL success in the long run. I just, I don't Jim Nagy's Jim Nagy's not saying he's a backup. Jim Nagy is saying young undoubtedly has more arm talent, but no way should there be that big of a discrepancy in draft grades. That is the most offensive part of that tweet. If you want to say Stetson Bennett is an NFL quarterback, that's fine. But to say that he belongs to be in the same conversation as Bryce Young, I hope that he issues an apology tomorrow morning after he goes to church and reflects on what it is that he's done. Because it is absurd to have Stetson Bennett and uh, Bryce Young in the same conversation. They don't have the same play style. They don't have the same pedigree. They don't have nothing. Bryce Young was in Georgia, like Georgia would have been the number one team this entire season. They would have beat Oregon by a hundred if if Bryce Young was the uh, was the quarterback for Georgia. It's offensive, and quite frankly, uh, Jim Nagy lost a little bit of credit in my book today because that tweet was not veiled at all to direct traffic to his game to get Stetson Bennett in his game, to drive attention to his game. I don't think it was an objective at all. I'm not sure that Jim Nagy believes what it is that he said. He was on a Skip Bayless tip, tip today. Um, and he should be ashamed of himself. He should absolutely be ashamed of himself, Jim Nagy. I hope you're watching. Um, you can get at me at Sharp Review on Twitter. Let's talk about Clemson now. Clemson goes down. We always go to these quarterbacks. Clemson goes down, Colin. I got to think that we are going to see Cade Klubnick at some point implemented as a starter. starter. DJU uh, uh, benched for what, the second week in a row now? Yeah, second week in a row. I mean, he had the bye week there, but yeah, essentially two weeks in a row. And the thing is, though, Cade Klubnick hasn't really been that much better. Uh, you know, he managed the I think he had like two passes for or two completions for four yard or for four, on four attempts last time. And then in this one, one pass, one interception gets yanked right away. Now, do we see Cade Klubnick the rest of the year? Probably, I think at this point, I mean, they already lost. So I, I think they'll probably roll Cade Klubnick out there. But I don't know if he gives them that much better of a chance to win, to be honest. So. Does it matter? Yeah, I don't. I really don't know what Dabo's going to do here. I, I feel like he's going to pull the Nick Saban and talk about how great the team is, and then try to get those narratives out in the media and try and win the ACC championship. North Carolina continues to roll, and we get a Clemson North Carolina matchup. I could, I, I could understand him trying to build that up to put him back in the playoffs. 
I agree with Colin. Like, Cade has not looked – that was a bad throw that he made today. It was, it was yeah. a bad throw. He tried to do way too much. Maybe it was a little bit of a freshman hero ball gets put in. He's trying to do something, galvanize his team, and it just backfired. I don't understand why they then just pulled him out and put DJU back. The game was over to begin with, Dabo. Like, I feel like that probably hurts his confidence even more. You don't even let the kid go back after try and make up for it. Just throws one pass, not you're done. We're going to throw the guy in that we just pulled him out for to put you in, and we're going to pull him out now too. It, it made no sense to me whatsoever, but we've talked about that. I feel like Dabo is a bad coach to begin with. I, I He's not. He's a horrible recruiter. Like, I no idea what Clemson does, and I really hope they just continue to flame out the rest of the season, if I'm being honest, because I just don't think they're a good team. And I think we kind of got there, got exposed to be frauds today, because Notre Dame is not a good team either, folks. And they just put a beating on Clemson. So I hope we do see Cade in the fact that I'd like to see him get playing time and continue to hopefully progress moving into next year, where I assume he'll be the starter. But with Dabo, you never know. We might see the third-string quarterback going at this point. Who knows? Bring back There's Tyson Fomachon. <laughs> he's not there anymore. He's in. He's at yeah, bring UConn, him back. right? Yeah, bring him, bring him back. back. Oh, bring him back. Bring, bring him, him back. back. Bring him back. Yeah, they put help. they put his they put his Achilles back on so they could. Uh, they should, he owes them. He owes them one. Um, in the NFL, there's the discussion about whether or not landing spot matters. You should not consider that argument those arguments when it comes to college football and uh projecting recruits landing spot absolutely matters when your offensive coordinator is tony elliott or a tony elliott disciple that's not great um if you're a wide receiver at michigan that's not great if you're a quarterback at ohio state or, or usc you know that's where you want to be now texas with steve sarkeesian landing spot matters and so i don't trust dju i don't trust uh uh Cade Klubnik, this is why I had him ranked a little bit lower than what he was. He was, you know, a five-star player, won the Elite 11. When you land in, in Clemson, if you aren't a generational talent like Deshaun Watson, like Trevor Lawrence, it's hard. It's going to be hard to elevate that offense, a very simple offense. Think about the wide receivers. That, like Adam Randall, uh, Antonio Williams, Bo Collins, all of them would start for Alabama. Absolutely all of them, and they cannot get uh, any offense going. I don't know what to think about this team. What you hope is that these players stay healthy and then they have more production uh, at the NFL level. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I heard the draft Knicks say after they after DJU played Wake Forest, oh, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. No. I told you that there was a sell window is open. And I wouldn't. it wouldn't even have cost a first for you to get DJU Ungalele for me. It will cost a first and more than a first, probably multiple first, f- for you to get Drake May from me, Colin. Um, the reason why I want to ask this question, where should he be ranked amongst quarterbacks? And the reason why we're asking this question is when you think about C.J. Stroud and his flaws and the fact that, you know, he everything has to be clean. He has to be well protected. Drake May has just as much passing prowess as C.J. Stroud, but he can improvise. He had, what, 74 yards rushing today. He can throw off platform. He has no problem being an athlete. Now, he is somewhat of a string bean and a bean pole out there. Uh, He can put on some weight. He could afford to put on some weight. But, uh, I mean, Chris Moxley brought this up on Twitter. Why isn't Drake May the number one, number two quarterback in our rankings? Yeah, I mean, he's very comfortably inside my top five. I think the top five are solidified with, in some order, 
uh, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May. End of discussion there. Nobody else is even close to those guys um, at this point in time. But as far as where he should be ranked, I have him ranked fifth right now. I just, I'm a little bit slower to move on quarterbacks. Like, I mean, we saw it with DJU one year, you know, where he's lighting the world on fire. Then the following year, he just completely falls apart. We've seen it from a couple of other players too. So I'm a little slower to move on quarterbacks. I have, he's jumped the furthest in my rankings amongst quarterbacks. Like no, not even close. Um, I think he was before the season was probably down closer to 15 to 20 range. Now he's up at five very comfortably. So he definitely needs to be in that discussion. I'm a little more conservative with it. So I still have him behind the other four there. Um, you know, it's not to say that he couldn't have a better career than Stroud, because like you highlighted a couple of issues with Stroud. It's not to say he couldn't have a better career than Young. You know, there's a couple issues with him too, just beyond size. Uh, you know, same with Williams and, and Caleb Williams and Ewers. You know, I think there's some small flaws with all these guys that I could see justification for putting him higher than five, but he should be no lower than that. Man, I, I may be approaching this with my Tar Heel glasses on here, but I don't find many flaws in Drake. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna I, say the same thing. I, I, what I, flaws I, does Drake May, look, has Drake May shown? At least when DJ Uyunglele was playing, we knew that he couldn't move, that he wasn't an athlete, and he had Clemson's offense. I – I and I'm sorry to cut you off, Matt, but no, I'm you're good. I don't know what Drake flaws Drake may have. Yeah, I think the system too it has to so do with it. I could see that. I, I was gonna bring that up, but that's another reason why I don't understand why he shouldn't be one for us at C2C because Phil Wonga, look, he's rough, he's technically a red shirt soft refreshment. He's a sophomore. He was there last year. He had a chance to learn on the system behind Sam Howe. The dude is putting up 30-plus points a game. every. He's by far the number one player right now in scoring for C2C leagues. Even if, say, he goes into his junior year and the draft people are telling him, no, nah, you're probably a third or fourth-round pick. If he comes back from it, you're getting three years of this production from him. You're not getting this from Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud wasn't even this good last year when he was putting up the numbers that he was putting up. You're not getting that from Kate. Well, Caleb's actually been close. He's put up a couple 50-point games. You're not even getting that from Quinn, who I love. Like, you're not getting it from those guys. Like, this is a Bailey Zappy type year, but with a kid who actually has NFL draft-type potential, and Bailey Zappy went the fifth round. What about next year, though, without downs? But he's not just doing it to downs. We saw Antoine Green the past mm -hmm. two weeks had massive seat, massive weeks, and Dodge no, Downs I was not that good. Like, he has no issue spreading the ball around, and we've seen – Kyle Francis brought this up a long time ago, actually with a, a show that him and Felix did together. Phil Longo produces these wide receivers at college. It seems like they don't get drafted that highly in the NFL, but had Deame Brown, Daz Newsome, all those guys, like they always seem to find these guys. Like, would we be that surprised? No, we're kind of out on him now because he's a year one zero. Would we be that surprised if Andre Green all of a sudden pops off next year and is the dude with Drake May? I wouldn't be. Like, he's four for me. And I have struggled to not move him up to one because I just don't see the argument. I get what you're saying. Austin made the same argument on Wednesday. Like it, you want to see a little bit more. You don't want to raise this guy up after nine games, but it's, I think there's a massive difference for me in watching what Drake may does every Saturday compared to what I saw at a DJ. You like the plays that he is making. I, I talked about this on Wednesday. There's a play last week where he rolls out and a cornerback is starting to go to the wide receiver. He pump fakes him. 
he bites on it and then he goes deep to a wide, I believe it was Josh Downs, or no, it was on it was, it was Antoine Green, who then was now wide open streaking down the field. I never saw something like that from DJU ever. His mechanics look good, like it's it's just everything. So I wouldn't have an issue with it. I am kind of with you on with you though, Colin. Like I've got him at four. I have Quinn's one, Caleb's two. No, sorry. Quinn's one, Bryce is two, CJ is three. I have Drake May at four. I actually have Drew Alar at five. CJ's at six. Um, I have no argument if someone wants to move him up to one, though. Like, I think he, right now, if you argue just college production and possible NFL draft capital, I think you have a perfectly legitimate argument to move him to one. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to pair DJU to – uh, Drake May. I think one comparison you can make is that DJ Uyunglele's play dropped off after he left, after he lost Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers. Well, Josh Downs is 10 times the player of either of those, and he's going to be, again, a first round or a very high round NFL draft. That is something to be concerned with. Phil Longo's off. The NFL teams do not like Phil Longo's offense for some reason. They uh, Sam Howell was drafted lowly, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, but we don't know why. We don't know what it is that the NFL doesn't prefer uh, in that particular offense, so we can't really use that. But Matt, one thing that you said about pump fake, he reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger with the way that he uses pump fake to move corners, to move safeties, and I think that that's going to be a part of his game moving forward. If he's doing it in college now. He was doing it early in the season, like in the red zone. He was pump faking one way to get a guy to move and then throwing it uh, another direction. So um, I don't know what the flaws to his game are, Colin. Yes, he's only played nine games. But in college, we might only get 16, 17 games to evaluate a player before they be they declare for the NFL draft. So if you don't move him up to one now – and. It, He's already rostered. You know, if you're doing a startup today, that might matter. It doesn't matter if you've already, you know, if you're in leagues that have been long existing, he's already rostered. But point being is you don't get that much time to evaluate players. That's part of the difficulty. That's part of the difficulty. We have to make decisions on players much earlier than the dynasty community does. The dynasty community gets three years of film, three years of evaluation to figure out what it is that they're going to do with the player. We don't get that much time because by the time players dropped, Kendry Miller, how, how much is it going to cost you to get Kendry Miller now? How much is it going to cost you to get Josh Downs or the aforementioned Drake May, even with just nine games? You can go buy you can go buy players like uh, Andre Green right now because we haven't seen him play. But Drake May, that ship has sailed. You'd have to give everything up to get a player like Drake May. So um, I don't have an issue with making him number one either. But I really need to go if I'm going to split hairs between these quarterbacks. Then I can't do it just like in a vacuum or generalizing our, our box score scouting. I got to go watch tape and figure out what their strengths are. Can they put the ball in the tight windows? Do they read coverages? Do they go from the first read to the second read? Um, uh, all that type of stuff. How do they feel pressure? And I'm not prepared to do that with Drake May uh, just now. So, all right. That is the panel. Colin, get out of here. Get out of here. Me and Matt are going to close the show. But good job. Good job tonight, Colin. We got to tell Colin good job because uh, Austin never does. <laughs> He's a bully. He he, got he is a bully. Tweet tweet at Debbie Dietz on Twitter. You're a bully.
tweet at him. All right, uh, Matt, let's yeah. check in with the games on the left coast that might still be going on. This Cal-USC game was a pretty low scoring uh, when I last took a look at it. Look at when I look, last looked at it before we went live. Um, what is that one looking like now? Uh, it is still fairly low scoring, 20 to seven at halftime. Um, Caleb Williams, just 203 yards through the air, one touchdown, um, doesn't have much on the ground, does have a touchdown, but just six yards rushing. Taj Washington, though, stepped up last week with both of those top weapons out, doing it again this week, 104 yards through the air. Mario Williams has yet to see a catch. I don't know if he's injured still or or what's going on. We know last week he was kind of kept out for, for they, they really specified what uh, he was kept out. He is not even in the box score right now, has not registered a snap. Uh, Travis Dye has got 39 yards and a touchdown on seven carries. Uh, the only person we really care about on Cal's side is Jaden Ott. He has currently got 39 yards and a touchdown right now for the Cal Golden Bears. I started Jake Hayner and stacked him with Nico Remigio. I started some Jordan Mims. With I knew that this Fresno State team wasn't playing until midnight, and I love the ability to uh, uh, you know to be down and to have a stack that starts at midnight, and then you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and you see if you you won. They get Hawaii at home. That's another reason to start Fresno State players. How's Jake Hayner, who had his first game back from injury last? Uh, last week, how are how are the Bulldogs looking there in Fresno? Well, if you did start those guys, you're likely already going to be going to sleep happy. They are going just now starting the third quarter. Fresno is up 31 to nothing. Uh, Jake Hayner is 18 to 23, 178 yards, two touchdowns. Mims, 98 yards on the ground and one. Uh, Remigio, just 54 yards on four receptions. His touchdowns have actually gone to um, Eric Brooks and Moreno Cropper. Jalen Moreno Cropper. Uh, those are the two that have caught the touchdowns. They've done much to just 40 and 34 yards receiving. So not uh, not a big day for Hayner, but two touchdowns. That matters. 170 yards looks like they're going to be continued. They're already driving down the field as they just got the ball in the third quarter. And nobody on Hawaii has done anything. They have not even eclipsed 100 yards total. So That's what we figured. Um, you got to love the other nuance about college football. It's a little difficult when you're searching for names on fan tracks. Jalen Cropper's now Jalen Moreno Cropper. Yeah. JT Tavian Sanders. That's what we knew him as coming into college. Now he's JT Sanders. You gotta love uh trying to track these players. Arizona State and UCLA. UCLA still believes that they have a chance at at least a New Year's six bowl game. How's that one looking? Uh, they are up 28 to 10 right now. Dorian Thompson Robinson, 154 yards through the air, two touchdowns, 75 yards on the ground. Zach Charbonnet, I have not had a chance to see. He has not taken a snap. He, he's yet. out. He's out. Okay, I did he's not know out. that he was out. Yeah. So he has not taken a snap today. Uh, so all of the running has come from Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, Jake Bobo, 33 yards, kind of leading the receivers there. Arizona State side, um, Trenton Borgo, who Chris Moxley gave you a couple props on uh, this game. 124 yards and one touchdown. So he's making his way toward that 11 points. He's almost eclipsed that. Uh, nothing on the ground. Xavier uh, Valade has got 49 yards through the air and 34 yards on the ground. He is their leading practice. Practically all of their offense right now. Uh, uh, Keegan, Keelan, Joe, is there a running back that's getting carries? Because we need to know who's going to be the running back next year for Chip For Kelly. UCLA, it has been um, Allen. I don't even know what his uh, – because uh, no, Kazmir Allen, the wide receiver, has the most carries for them right now with four. Keegan right, Jones has three. Three for okay. 16 yards. Okay. 
All right, Matt, you ready to close out the show? Let's do it. Let's get into next week's storylines. Maxion rolls around next week. We had, what, two games on Tuesday and Wednesday. This week we get three games each on Tuesday and Wednesday. So set your TVs up and pay attention to Maxion. Your boy, Matthew, PCU, Texas. That's probably going to be the biggest game of the uh, week next week. Yeah, uh, 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 highlighted by the fact that Fox is going to Ohio State, Indiana for some reason. That's that's the big noon kickoff. So that's how bad – no, I shouldn't say bad, but that's uh, how many not big games we have. TCU-Texas is going to be massive. Texas, again, still has a shot, surprisingly, at a Big 12 championship. They only have two losses within their conference. But TCU looking to go undefeated and possibly make the playoffs – they have got a chance. Texas is their biggest uh, stop, I think, before they get to the Big 12 championship. If they get that one, I think they're probably going to be ranked five, maybe six this week. Uh, Michigan, I think, will probably move up into four. We do have Alabama and Clemson dropping out of the top six. So TCU is definitely moving up. If they get that win against Texas. Could be massive toward going to the playoffs. If I give you the game total between North Carolina and Wake Forest at 61 and a half, you going over or under? I'm taking the over. Wake Forest didn't look that great today against NC State from what I saw, but Drake May is going to be able to put up points, and I think if Hartman is able to get it together, they should easily go over that total. should be a fun shootout to watch. I think we're waiting for that Wake Forest Army game where they both scored, what, like 60, 70 points? It could be next week with North Carolina and Wake Forest. On the other hand, we now need to pay attention with the loss, with Alabama's second loss with Tennessee losing. I think we need to pay attention to Oregon and where they're going to be when it comes playoff time. They take on my Michael Penix Jr., the fighting Michael Penix Jr.'s uh, Washington next week. Yeah, that should be an interesting game because Washington's played fairly good defense for the most part. And Penix, while he struggled, it seems, in the first half, the past couple games, he really gets it going in the second half. I think the big advantage to Oregon here is that it's at Oregon, so it's at home. Washington has struggled on the road. They played incredible at home. Will be a big matchup, though, for them. As again, you just mentioned, they're fighting now. to They're back in the playoffs, even after losing 49-3 to in week one. They have a chance to make the playoffs again this year. Probably get stomped in the first round. Uh, you, you never know. We could see a rematch between Georgia and Oregon in the yeah. college football national championship. Tanner Mordecai has got to be player of the week. He had nine touchdowns, 16 touchdown passes between Clayton Toon and um, Tanner Mordecai today. Those two programs went, went insane. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs>